what's the difference between the mafia and the government if they're trying to kill you? None. Nothing. They're all the same, they're all gangsters. If I had to do a biography today, I'd title it Government by Gangster, my experiences as a citizen of the United States. Tell me a little bit about who you are for people that have never heard, I know it's hard to believe, but have never heard of Gordon Novell. Well, I'm, uh, I don't know how to, my, my name is Gordon Novell. I have been involved in things like Watergate and JFK's assassination, Lorian drama and Waco and others that would be better not mentioned that were more intelligence oriented or foreign intelligence oriented. So I kind of stay away from talking about that. Okay. so. Well, as far as Majestic, or the Illuminati, or the Bilderbergs, the or the Rockefellers. Org. The Galen Org. The Galen Org. The, Org. The, 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 it was a German SS officer by the name of Galen who had a continuing organization that continued on past World War II that was substantively involved in lots of nasty stuff and still is today. Okay. And are they um, set up in this country? They're set up all over the world. But they, uh, they mostly answer, if not to the Illuminati, is the only place I know that they answer to anybody. Most people all answer to the Illuminati if there's any power in any country. What about Majestic? Do they get along with the Illuminati? According to my information, Majestic and the Illuminati are not seeing eye to eye over the idea of triaging the population of the planet in order to bring the population down to a workable level or it's safe to have life. We're, we're approaching a very high number, around 7 billion people, and they would like to triage a bunch of the population and Majestic, which is mostly U.S. military people and some other foreigners uh, don't want to see that. They, 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 they're not in favor of mass assassination by AIDS viruses and stuff like that. They blew off the front door and they killed everybody standing around the front door. And uh, they then hid the front doors after they stole, after they filled it full of bullet holes. They naturally came and got them and got rid of them. They set the place on fire and they blew them up. And, why? I mean, why? Do you know why? Apparently part of the games that they're playing to set us up for 9-11 and some of the other things in order to create us into a neo-fascist political police state. So that was something... Quasi-military political police state. I always like to start out by saying I'm a recovering CIA officer. If you all that were here this morning, I, go, I, I do go to weekly meetings, Agency Anonymous, um, so I'm, I'm getting there. Um, I uh, was a decorated CIA officer. That part of that is in the book, which we fought to get out. I went on deadly assignments uh, for my, my agency and, and my country. 
I loved my country. I was very dedicated to the agency. Some of those assignments, uh, they told us we may not come back from. Uh, no problem. Uh, that's what we did. But the higher I got up in the agency, the more I began to see uh, illegal, unconstitutional, sometimes criminal activity that the agency and some other sectors of the shadow government, I call it, were doing things that were illegal and unconstitutional. And I always have to say this. The United States Constitution is the supreme law of the land. It supersedes every other law in the U.S. criminal justice system and the judicial branch. That's worth remembering. When the U.S. government violates the Constitution, they are committing multiple felonies based on the foundation of our government. We must always remember that. So as a federal agent, I had to swear an oath to the Constitution to defend the Constitution and our country against enemies foreign and domestic. The problem was <laughs> there were some that were domestic and there were some that happened to be in our own government. A part, apparently part of the games that they're playing to set us up for 9-11 and some of the other things in order to create us into a neo-fascist political police state. So that was something... Quasi-military political police state. So I had to make a decision. Uh, was I going to uphold my oath to the Constitution or was I going to shrink back? And for me, there, there, it was an easy choice. I chose to stand for the Constitution, and that's why I'm here this, this evening. Uh, we have to. A lot of people would want us to ask this question. It's almost a matter of duty. And that is, how much does Obama know about all of this, in your opinion? Uh, that's, that's a strange question. Uh, I can't imagine anyone accepting the job of president with the current situation. I can't imagine that. So, in that respect, I have to say he can't be very intelligent. On the other hand, he's an intelligent man. He certainly is an intelligent speaker. And of course, he was a, a debate uh, king, if you would. Uh, and I know that when he got his first briefing, because I had friends that were present, uh, said that he was so shocked that he had to sit down to f when he found out what really was happening. This was before he took the office. Hmm. Uh, now I think that he's found himself in a, in a river that's flooded and headed south and he's got a little boat with no oars. And, and he very just, steep canyon walls. And steep canyon walls, <laughs> and he's just paddling with his hands as fast as he can paddle mm -hmm. and trying to do the very best job that he can. He he's, has a few really good people around him. And I don't think that he, I really don't believe he has a hint how to stop what's happening. I don't think he has a hint how to stop the flood because it's behind him and it's coming on and he's being driven by it and there's not much he can do. Now, speaking about having good people with him, just using that turn of phrase, would you confirm that there are good people who we have euphemistically called the White Hats in the government and the intelligence and in the military who themselves are patriots as you are and are trying to do their best from the inside to avert these things? Absolutely. There are, there are many people that left the military. Most of the good people left during Clinton and Bush because they couldn't pledge allegiance to the president because of the things that were being done. Hmm. 
So many people left. On the other hand, there were many people that stayed behind because they knew they were going to be needed and they sacrificed, not principle, but they, they had a higher knowledge and stayed behind so that they could ply the knowledge that they had when the time came. That's where they thought they would be most valuable. That's where they thought they would be most valuable and they were the true patriots because they they did what was best for the people rather than what was best for themselves. And these are the people who are keeping you informed sometimes. Some right? of those people are the people who are keeping me informed. I understand. Do you think there's ever going to be a disclosure that any of this stuff about UFOs or other races not born on Earth would ever get out to the public? Well, I think uh, it's interesting. Uh, I've been told that uh, a number of the uh, apocalypse films that have come out recently and a number of the uh, science fiction things that have come out recently as movies have been partially funded by the government. Mm -hmm. Wanting to, to get familiar in our minds the idea there might be people that could come and help us. There might be some kind of divine providence that would, would help as well. And uh, I, I, I've heard uh, kind of through the grapevine that uh, uh, I, I know that Reagan was asked and uh, asked to disclose such things, the truth about uh, flying saucers and alien people. I know that JFK was asked those things and said he would do something and I know there was pressure to put to bear on both of them to say nothing. Uh, I know that uh, the current president I don't know this. I have heard that the current president was planning to uh, make such announcements later in the year or late in the year. You were working up to an announcement. You were saying that he may announce something at the end of the year. What would that be? What does your grapevine tell you? My grapevine tells me that he was going to announce that, uh, that there are indeed uh, such things as flying saucers and there is indeed uh, technology transfer and there is indeed uh, uh, beings behind it that didn't come from this, uh, this planet. December 9th, 2009, the people of Norway are preparing for the historic arrival of President Barack Obama. But for the inhabitants of one northern town, the day will be remembered for a very different reason. Scientists from all over the world are trying to figure out what caused a mysterious blue light to spiral in the sky over Norway on Wednesday. CBS News correspondent Sheila McVicker has the latest on the mystery. Sheila, good morning. Good morning, Harry. Mysterious light indeed. A light appearing high in the Arctic sky, baffling those who saw it and exciting a lot of comment. Early yesterday morning, just before dawn, this appeared in the Norwegian sky. That's Norwegian for what the heck is that? A blue light, small at first, growing into a spiral and then disappearing into what appeared to be a black hole. 
in the northern community of Trondelag and on a Norwegian military base, cell phones snapped, video cameras rolled, and bloggers got busy. Mr. President, you're making a mistake, and everyone here agrees. It's not just about protecting the rights of the few, this is about protecting human rights. Now, these people may not be Americans, but we are. What it comes down to is, we don't have enough information to feel safe enough to let them out. Mr. President, it's not too late to cancel the press conference. Sophia, <laughs> welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so, so, are you sure you're ready to do this? We've been ready for a long time. First, we have to evacuate. What's going on? We have to go now. She's coming with us. Go, go. We lost all radar capability. Our entire system is down. We think the attack is already underway. Go, 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 president since uh, right after George Washington that wasn't under orders from someone else. And if you go back and take a look at it, it's pretty obvious. And then if the guy doesn't obey those orders, then he may find himself in trouble. May find himself in trouble. Uh -huh. You want to talk about who, who's behind him at all? I really don't. Okay. So you were working up to an announcement. You were saying that he may announce something? The end of the year, what would that be? What does your grapevine tell My you? My grapevine tells me that he is going to announce that uh, that there are indeed uh, such things as flying saucers, and there is indeed uh, technology transfer, and there is indeed uh, uh, beings behind it that didn't come from this uh, this planet. And how many different kinds? I, I, you know, we're getting into speculation here that. Understand. You know, uh, whether the person that told me would know, I have no idea. Whether the president would know, I have no idea. Whether we even know, I have no idea. But a number of them, more than, more than uh, say, three or four. 
And then if you go, well, again, if you go back and look at the, the number of people who seem to have seen such people, uh, you know, you get a, you, you get kind of a, well, there's a reptilian type, and there's a, a long face type, and a round face type, and a tall type, and a short type, and, uh, but you get, it isn't just like one person said this and one person says that, it's, 50 people in the U.S. and 20 people in Germany and 300 people in Brazil and 80 people in Africa say this. And then for the next bunch, there's uh, maybe 40 or 50 in Russia and 25 or 30 in Germany. And, you know, you can't discount all of those things when from totally disparate regions that have no real communication and people have no real communication with each other, you hear people doing exact descriptions yeah. and large amounts of exact descriptions. And tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, reporting contact with the little guys with the almond-shaped eyes and the big yeah, heads. Right. Who many people say are responsible for abductions. Do you know anything about that at all? Uh, I, all I know is that I've talked to a number of those people and uh, many of them seem to me to be very credible. Many of them seem to me to have read somebody else's report and then they wanted to be in the thing and made it up. Okay. Are any of these abductions military operations? I wouldn't have any idea. You don't know? Okay. So what can you tell us about why, why you don't get along with Majestic? Like what is it that puts you guys no. at odds? What or puts even, us maybe this will tell us why the CIA doesn't get along with we, Majestic. We sort of expropriated their technologies from the aliens and we're not giving it back and we're just you got, personally yeah and we got our we got very lucky back about 17 18 years ago and we got our hands on the technology and worked to reverse engineer it and pretty much figured it out and at which point we began to figure out everything that they were doing and so I just kind of pursued the trail of the technology as opposed to the aliens and that kind of stuff and that's all I do is pursue the technology and I got lucky got very very lucky and got my hands on a cutaway of their bird and then used the cutaway the engineering cutaways to reverse engineer the technology we base it on what we can see is functional and works we know is real we've got about 12,000 frames of film of the bird dancing around the skies of Area 51 so this is an ARV, isn't that what it's called? That's what some people call it. We, we, we call it RAM, Replication Alien Machine. Oh, I see. We, we don't, they call it Alien Reproduction Vehicle, and we don't do that. We're, we are into the universality of the circuit design that they use to negate gravity, inertia, and time. Okay, so you know something about time travel as well. Yeah, a UFO is probably uh, very much like the cars in Back to the Future. They are flying time machines. Okay. They're capable of going backwards and forwards and back. And what's your vision? What's your vision for the world? Could you tell, tell us in general terms? Our vision is to get the energy out there so that we can eliminate oil, coal, and gas, and, and nuclear fuels from polluting the atmosphere and causing the carbon dioxide that's creating the global warming and that. And the concomitant reduction in the cost of living by about 80% of the cost of living is attributed to the paying for energy. So if you don't have to pay it out, you get to keep it.
Three, two, one. Welcome to the Health Ranger Report show here on Brighton.tv. I'm Mike Adams, the founder of Brighton. Today, we've got a great guest, someone who I've listened to and learned from for many, many years. His name is David Wilcock. You've probably heard that name before if you're interested in anything about the universe or if you're just curious at all about reality. And he's got a new online course coming up called The Disclosure. And there's some major bombshells for humanity that he's going to be revealing with his sources over a six-week period with that course that's coming up just, I guess, in a day or two. We'll give you more details here. So he'll be joining me here in just right after this uh, break to talk about what's in that course. Why is humanity being force-fed this horrible diet of scarcity and fear when we have so much abundance and uh, even technology that's headed our way that can set humanity free? So stay with us. We'll be right back after this break with David Wilcock with The Disclosure. I'm Mike Adams here. Stay with us. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back, folks. I'm just going to bring in David Wilcock right here. David, it's an honor to have you on. I've enjoyed so much of your material over the years. You've done so much. You're a pro prolific creator and thinker. So thank you for joining me today. It's an honor. Well, thank you. I, I kind of look at both of us as professional dumpster divers. You know, we have to sort through this horrible stuff and try to extract the food. So, so Mike, here's my challenge. March 1st, 2022, Madison Square Garden, the Mike Adams, David Wilcock, Dumpster Liberation Championship Dive-Off. You and I are gonna compete in Madison Square Garden on who can liberate the most amount of food from an absolutely disgusting dumpster faster. What do you say? I don't know, I don't know about that one, David. Uh, I'm not against the dumpster diving, you know, as a form of recycling, but I'm not sure about going to New York City. That's No dumpster championship? <laughs> yeah, All right, maybe somebody dive. else will wanna do it. You know, it'll be fun. It, uh, but you bring up a, a very important point that right now we have global supply lines that are cratering and people are going to have to become more resilient to be prepared. That's for why things. I think we got to make some new sports, you know, let's kind of upgrade what's what's hot in the world. That's that's true. And it's also it's completely gender neutral. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, Absolutely. your dumpster diving skills can be either way. It doesn't matter. Uh, but but getting on to more. I, I never thought we'd start out our first interview like that, but it's OK. Whatever. You, you got to start somewhere, some... you know. I, I actually think that if we could, like, really make the dumpsters very, very unpleasant, you know, there's there's hazards in there, and, and you'll get penalized if you try to bring out the food that's too contaminated. You know, we'll have a whole set of rules that we'll make up. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Well, that the, those might be the new supply chains for... That's what for I'm saying. For, yeah. If okay. I listen to Situation Update every day, that's what it sounds like. Well, I'm 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 sorry to put you through that if you if you've heard my podcast, but I do always try to give people good news at the I end, know. and that's actually what you're on here to talk about today. Uh, humanity's got some big surprises ahead that are major good news. Can can you share a little bit with us about that and what you're working on? Well, sure. Uh, as you may know, as I'm sure you know, Mike, but your audience may or may not know, um, I've always been a ufologist as my main passion. It led to a lot of television exposure through Ancient Aliens, of which I'm in like over 100 episodes. So I'm sure you get this too. You know, you go to the store or something, you just want to buy something and, and you start having these really cool conversations with people, you know? And I love that. I mean, I enjoy that aspect of it. UFOs have traditionally been probably the most fringe of the fringe scene. You know, you could kind of argue conspiracy theory and UFOs are in the same boat, but even then, there's people who can totally believe in the cabal 
but don't believe that there are actual extraterrestrial humans or any other type of extraterrestrials visiting us. Now, in my case, I had dreams about UFOs ever since I was two years old that were incredibly dramatic, uh, where I would have them landing in my yard, uh, and then I would be speaking to an older man uh, who had like white hair and a white beard and, and a robe that was white, and he was very friendly. And uh, when I saw Star Wars, when it came out, which I guess was 77, um, he became Obi-Wan Kenobi after I saw the movie. Prior to that time, it didn't look like Obi-Wan Kenobi. But, uh, and then another strange thing was that my, my parents actually called my, my brother Obi-Wan before Star Wars came out, believe it or not. They started calling him obi Obamaya, so they called him Obi-Wan before Obi-Wan Kenobi. So even all the way back then, that was a very strange thing. My whole family was very shocked when we saw Star Wars and realized that such a specific name is Obi-Wan that we'd already been calling my brother. That's, that's just strange. And so that's when, that's when I guess, Michael first showed up. I would, I would probably think that the old man is, is what we're now seeing as Archangel Michael. But I had very vivid dreams all my life. And then when I was in, uh, when I got out of college, I started writing them down. So I wrote my dreams down every morning for four years, which in and of itself is quite a feat. You know, most people don't do that. No most people don't remember their dreams. Uh, what I discovered after reading a few books on it and really getting into the practice was that information is conveyed in a dream that is beyond space and time. I started to have, over those four years, many dozens of undeniable prophetic dreams where like, for example, uh, I had a dream where the axle went out on my car, and that same day the axle actually did go out on my car. That's just one example. I mean, there's, hun there's hundreds of them, really. So yes, I kind of got, you know, to use the old Richard C. Hoagland uh, saying, I got dragged kicking and screaming into this in some ways. Uh, after four years of doing all these dreams and, and, and also binge researching UFOs at the same time, the two... When I started to write my dreams down and research UFOs was the same period in my life, starting in 1992, 93. Uh, after I went through all that, it started to become aware in these dreams that there was a focal point of intelligence that wanted to communicate with me about UFOs. Uh, and so, for example, I had a dream where a UFO flew overhead and I was very amazed. Something shoots out of the bottom and it's spinning like this. And then when it hits the ground, it was a telephone, and the telephone starts ringing, and I'm supposed to pick it up. Uh, in another dream, so obviously a telephone from the UFO implies that whoever was in the UFO wanted to talk to me. Uh, another case was I had a, a, a weird extraterrestrial-looking being walk up to me, and then all these books started to fly out from behind him in like a tunnel around me. Each of the books was something that I had read in the last four or five years about UFOs. And I had like the full knowledge of all the content of each book as they flew by. And it was this massive surge of incredible data and information uh, that was showing me an overview of all the stuff that I'd been reading, which I hadn't really seen before. Now, can I, can I interrupt and sure, ask absolutely. you something? This is fascinating. These particular dreams that you're referring to, did these dreams have a quality of hyper-realism or absolutely. what I would call it? enhanced resolution beyond what the physical eye could possibly perceive? Absolutely. How could I ever 
acquire enough detail to make them think that it's reality. Well, dreams, they feel real while we're in them, right? It's only when we wake up that we realize something was actually strange. Let me ask you a question. You, you never really remember the beginning of a dream, do you? You always wind up right in the middle of what's going on. I guess, yeah. So how did we end up here? Well, we just came from the, uh... Think about it, Ariadne. How did you get here? Where are you right now? We're dreaming? You're actually in the middle of the workshop right now, sleeping. This is your first lesson in shared dreaming. Stay calm. voice in my head, the part of me that thinks, that feels, that is aware that I exist at all. So if you're aware you exist, then you do. That's why you're still here. No windows. What aren't you ready to see, I wonder? I've also practiced lucid dreaming, and when you read the book Lucid Dreaming by Dr. Stephen LaBerge, he says in there that when people achieve lucidity, they often report, I have never truly been awake before. Yes. Yes, I'm familiar with that. I've read that book several times. Oh, okay. Yes. And I've, I've, I've had that experience. I, I, in, in, in one particular dream I had where I was self-aware, I, I just looked at a leaf and marveled 
at the complexity and the detail of the leaf that was bigger than the universe of this world. It was so bizarre. It's hard to explain to someone if you haven't actually been through it. Uh, I would just say that it would appear that your, cog your consciousness is, is much faster, the speed of thinking is much faster, and the amount of information that you can wrangle and manage and look at all at once is much greater. Can I ask you, and I'm sorry, to, I don't mean to get on a tangent, but no this is relevant. One of the, one of the methods that Le, LeBerg uh, talks about to maintain that self-aware state is to practice spinning in, uh, in your dream. So you're, you're, you actually right. try to spin like a child. Is that something that you have applied in, in those dreams and has it been successful for you? It I'm actually curious. did work. I, I, I read LeBerg starting when I was a junior in high school, so maybe 15, 16. So it's a matter of sleeping with the right mental set. So sleeping with a prepared mind ready to notice when something odd happens. Maybe the reason is that I'm dreaming. And so we don't usually have that mental set. Once people have the mental set and then go to sleep with that uh, frame of mind, then they become lucid during their periods of rapid eye movement sleep. Uh, we can be fully awake to the inner world and while we're fully asleep to the outside world. So that offers us a, a special opportunity uh, for experimenting with our own realities because we can find out what kind of world we uh, would experience if it were all up to us. So there were no external inputs, no other people, no outside circumstances. It's just the world that we construct out of our beliefs and expectations and values and all the levels that structure our experience. And then we find out, of course, it can be uh, informative because it's the world we've created somehow. And so that says something about us. It's a, every artwork has got the artist in it, so unavoidably. And yes, the spinning technique works very well. Uh, there's another guy named William Bowman who has his book, Adventures Out of the Body. His technique is to put out your hands like this and yell, clarity, now! Hmm. And that works, hmm. I've done that. What is this non-physical dimension we're gonna go into? How does it work? How does it function? Where do you fit in? I always say in my workshops, don't believe a word. The whole purpose here is for you to have your own experience. It's a mind-blowing experience that you can't even adequately describe. It's so expansive. And then the classic Carlos Castaneda shamanic advice uh, from his alleged Yaqui shaman Don Juan was to look at your hands. Look at your hands a little tougher because typically when you do, they're all messed up and you're missing fingers and it's really kind of traumatic. Right. <laughs> so right. I'll usually do well, the spinning or the clarity now, yeah. Okay, one more question for you, and this is really fascinating. Did you do any kind of awareness training in, in your awakening life? You know, to question, for example, every time you see red, I think that's one thing that Stephen mentioned, or to anytime you see a sign that's got text in it, to read the text, look away, and then go back and read it again. Did you do any kind of this training of awareness in your waking life in order to obtain the self-awareness in the dream? Absolutely. Um, one of the things that I used to do 
which I found out later that the Scientologists make you do this too. I'm not saying that that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I would touch walls. And I would say, if this wall is solid, then this is not a dream. If this wall is not solid, then it is a dream. And, and the real, and I would also like, you know, look at something and look away and look back to make sure it's the same. And, and yes, if you start reading these lucid dreaming books and you practice that, and I was doing this again when I was 16, you start checking your reality and you, you, you want to build a habit where you just start doing this regularly as a normal practice. And if you do that, then sure enough, when you're in a dream, you might think to check your reality. And if you do, then you're going to find out, whoa. I'm dreaming. And then when you, when you know you're dreaming, you use those techniques that you just described to stay in there. And I've had, I mean, Mike, I had such amazing lucid dreams uh, for so many years. And just, you, you can do anything. You can create anything, you know, uh, manifest a sports car and take a spin, the car that you never thought you'd be able to have, you know, whatever you want to do, you can do it. It's, it's incredible. And, and this is what's extraordinary for those listening who maybe haven't experienced this. When you train yourself to question your reality in your dream and you are able to achieve awareness that this is a dream state, it does something to your mental state in your awakening state. Also, you begin to question that reality, which is the right thing to do, especially today with all the artificial news, the artificial world, right? The control grid. You can question that and you should question that. Well, you raise a very good point. Uh, all this dream work led up to me finding a book called The Law of One series, and which I began reading in January 96. And they had a lot of UFO experiences. And Andrea Pluharich received uh, several hundred, I would say, uh, communications, allegedly from UFO, on his cassette tape recorder. The recorder buttons would go down by themselves as if they were pushed by invisible fingers and the uh, recorder would run. He'd rewind it, play it back, it'd be a message from a UFO. Now, when I read the data, uh, I knew that they weren't joking because since 1962, 10 years earlier, I've been involved in an experiment producing telepathic contactees. And the information we had correlated about 95% with the uh, uh, information that Andrea Puharich got on his cassette tape recorder in Israel. So, what type of voice was on the tape? It was an English-speaking voice. Uh, sometimes it sounded human. Uh, sometimes it made mistakes in uh, grammar. And uh, sometimes it sounded somewhat uh, mechanical or computerized. How come with all this stuff that goes on, so many people have made sightings or people such as yourself that are firm believers in it that spend almost, you told me earlier that your job is just secondary, that the only reason you work at all is just to make money to continue your research. Why doesn't the government get in on this? Why do they the, keep putting it in the closet? Well, the government is in on it, uh, but they are afraid of it. For instance, uh, I investigated a contactee in Tennessee about four months ago. Uh, the next week, I got a call from the uh, Assistant Administrator of Special Projects, NASA. He talked to me for 45 minutes on the phone about this. Uh, he's the man that uh, said no to Carter about NASA getting that into was about a month ago. Yeah, UFO mm -hmm. investigation about a month ago. The problem is, it is such a soft data science that they, the uh, orthodox investigator finds it non-productive. It is 
if you have to report to somebody, if you have to say, this is how I'm spending the money, and, and we're doing this with it, and it's producing this, you're in trouble. The reason you're in trouble is that this science is the same as, say, trying to investigate radio waves before the development <laughs> of the bow and arrow. <laughs> we need different types of techniques. It's such a, a new science that the old techniques don't work and the orthodox uh, people cannot be productive. Almost the only techniques that show a sign of working now are are the techniques in the so-called new physics where they talk about the observer being a part of the phenomenon. This, this kind of thinking will probably slowly open up new techniques for working with UFO witnesses and for, for discovering why they're really here. One thing I wanted to say about spec, the question about spectra, the question really when it comes down to why are they working through people like Uri Geller, uh, Dr. Puharich, all the contactees, I think it's a, it's really an important question, and um, it has to do with their basic philosophy, which is what the book is about. Um, they they truly believe in the in the free will of the people of Earth. They have things that they would like to tell us, but they do not want to land on the White House lawn or something and force us to believe what what they know. We would obviously pay a great deal of attention to them if they were to do so, because they have Probably superior also, technology. There'd be a reaction similar to the Orson Welles radio be, show. There might ideas. be panic, there might be adoration, neither of which they allegedly want at all. They simply want to get the word out. Uh, it, it would be like if, if I had a neighbor, uh, I could say pretty much what I wanted to the neighbor, you know, you shouldn't meet your wife or whatever, because I'm just a neighbor. The neighbor can shut his door on me. But if someone that was a, a greater being than he came to his door and said, you shall not beat your wife, then that would press that person to change his behavior, and they won't do it. They simply make available the same kinds of thoughts, the same kinds of, of ethics, if you will, that the major religions deal with. Well, what are they trying to tell us? Uh, I'll uh, try to condense what has come out of my investigation of contactee information. Now, there's a lot of contactee information. Uh, let's say that 5% of it is technical. 5% of it has to do with uh, political and fringe areas. But 90% of it has to do with the evolution of man, the evolution of man's mind on Earth. It is a very complex set of catalytic phenomena, you might say, specifically programmed and designed to create a condition on Earth that will allow Earth-man to progress in a mental evolution. Uh, this what's, this what is what comes out of the communications, anyway. It seems that the basic philosophy is that throughout all of space, people inhabit numerous planets. The people of any particular planet are at a, a certain stage in their evolution and thinking. On Earth, we're not at a very <laughs> accelerated, we're not at a, at a very uh, elevated stage of as, compared, as to, compared to many other places. Now, it seems that uh, 
when a society reaches a certain stage in their evolution of thought, it then becomes necessary for the society to do certain things that will accelerate the evolution of thought on planets not so far along. Now, the techniques used are none of the techniques that we'd ever dream of. That's what comes out of the communication. Techniques used are techniques that produce what we call the UFO phenomena. <laughs> and the UFO phenomena has the objective of creating an evolution. It has the objective of creating an evolution that leads to total unification and total brotherhood and uh, a very highly advanced way of thinking. No wars, no, uh, no normal problems. Of course, everybody says that, you know, that's just a utopian fantasy. But these communications come from people all over the world, and they come from people who have no, no possible way of getting information. I mean, you, you go in the most remote areas and you find people who've received these communications. Back to the little lady in Mexico that performed your operation. The entire 25,000 year cycle of life on Earth is intended for this big crisis that we're in right now to happen. I'm even going to make an audacious statement and say the only thing that really matters in your whole life is what you're doing right now. Because we're at the end. You had other times in the past to screw up, to fall off, to not get it right. Now you're either going to get it or you're not. So it says the correct portion of your statements is the greater opportunity for service due to the many changes which offer many challenges, difficulties, and seeming distresses within your illusion. To many who will then seek to understand, if we may use this misnomer, the reason for the malfunctioning of the physical rhythms of their planet. And then it says, moreover, there exist probability, possibility, vortices, remember this is August 8th, 1981, which spiral towards your bellicose actions. Bellicose means evil, warlike, destructive, right? So there are these probability vortices. Many of these vortices are not of the nuclear war, but of a less annihilatory, but more lengthy, so-called conventional war. But it's not conventional. And they're going to explain that it's totally not conventional. This situation, if formed in your illusion, would offer many opportunities for seeking and for service. Then he says, how would conventional warfare offer the opportunities for seeking and service? Now look at this, folks. This is the big one. You ready? The possibility probabilities exist for situations in which great portions of your continent, and this was done in America, great portions of America and the globe in general might be involved in a type of warfare which you might liken to guerrilla. So again, just to simplify that, great portions of your continent and the globe in general might be involved in a type of guerrilla warfare. I almost want to just drop the mic and be done right there because it's like, dude, wow! Great portions, let's flip back on it for a second, please. Great portions of your continent and the globe in general might be involved in a type of this warfare. Okay, now, You'd say, well, that sounds really exciting, what is, but it's scary as hell. I mean, back when I first was reading The Law of One and I affiliated with Dr. Scott Manilker, who wrote the book on it that got me interested in it, 
his book was called From Elsewhere. We started talking about this. And then after 98, when book five finally came out, and we read this, and I said, good Lord, Dr. Mandelker and I were talking about this prophecy. And, and we said, you know, in case of emergency break class, let's hope that this never comes true. If it does, I guess we'll talk about it once it does. Well, now it came true. So like the law of one kind of said, yeah, there might be like a global guerrilla warfare thing that happens where your own country, America, is all tied up in this. But they said a type of this. What I've realized is, yeah, that is totally defined by the asymmetric dynamics of rioting. And who's really doing the rioting and what are they really doing, right? And what are they doing? They're attacking infrastructure, they're burning down cities, they're making people afraid. That's guerrilla warfare. So they're using a particular term to try to describe something that we're now seeing and now we can unlock the prophecy. Now we can understand what they meant by global warfare. And it's pretty clear that, yeah, that comparing it to guerrilla warfare, it's a little bit, it sounds a little extreme because it's more aggressive than the way that we normally talk about, oh, well, they're riots, they're protests. No, no, no. These are like people burning things down, people doing all kinds of crazy stuff. That is warfare, and it's that type of warfare. Okay, now let's go back to the slide. So then they're going to go even further into this prophecy, and again, this is a, this totally blows me away in light of what's happening right now. The ideal of freedom from the so-called invading force of either the controlled fascism or the equally controlled social common ownership of all things. Hmm. Freedom from fascism and social ownership of all things would stimulate great quantities of contemplation upon the great polarization implicit in the contrast between freedom and control. So right here, let's just... <laughs> They're literally saying a global controlled fascism in the form of, of nonlinear guerrilla warfare that takes place all over the world and in America simultaneously. And this is, what, what is it going to do? It's going to stimulate people's desire to meditate on freedom and control. Yeah, you're stimulated by that. Well, that's what the beings really want. They want you to become a person who is strong, liberated, and free. And they want you to be a person who doesn't wait for other people. Why hasn't David done a video in a month and a half? Eh. Well, where's your video? I'm not, I don't usually do this to you, right? But like, let's just talk about this. Don't expect me to do everything, right? I'm not the hero. I'm just one dude doing this. I'm not the planetary savior in any way, shape, or form. And please don't think that I am. Anybody that says that, I say, oh my God, no. This, I'm more like Morpheus in the Matrix, right? And you're Neo. And so my role is really to kind of make the handshake with the higher forces, hear what they have to say, present it to you, and then you go run with it and see what you can do. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to get you activated because this is not something where you just sit back in the backyard waiting for the apocalypse in your lawn chair, drinking a beer and whatever else you're doing. It's much more than that. It's about individual responsibility, and how have you contributed to what's going on right now? Are you being an effective member of society? Are you telling other people what's really going on? Are you being brave enough? And again, it might be nonlinear. And they even talk about the fact here that this type of controlled fascism will lead to the ability where you can't openly express your desire for freedom. Look at this. Let's go back to the slide because that's pretty interesting. Okay. 
So the next thing they talk about is these other weapons, and this is very, very interesting. Oops. Yeah, my slides go out right as I'm... Uh, here we go. Are they back now? Okay. In this scenario, which is being considered by the deep state at this time-space nexus, meaning 1981, so they were already planning this back in 81, folks, and there's new evidence that's been coming out that I could maybe do later that talks about that. The idea of obliterating valuable sites and personnel is not considered to be useful. They don't want to get rid of anything, and they don't want to get rid of any valuable people. Other weapons would be used which do not destroy as your nuclear arms would. In this ongoing struggle, the light of freedom would burn within the mind-body-spirit complexes who are capable of such polarization. And that's a very interesting thing. First of all, other weapons would be used which do not destroy as your nuclear arms would. And they said weapons in plural, right? Well, we're getting a pretty good idea what those kind of weapons might be. It could include germs, it could include injectables, all kinds of stuff, right? And we're seeing this. We're in it now. Well, they were telling us about this in 1981, and they said weapons plural. So this is very, very fascinating. And then another thing that the Law of One talks about is many people on Earth are not even actually at a third density level. They're only at a second density or orange ray level instead of the yellow ray level of third density. They're only at orange. Now, what does this mean? This means herd mentality, crowd consciousness, and wor the worship of they, whoever they are, whatever they say. When I look at the, the older demographic, the baby boomer demographic, and I was reading next door, a common, you know, community site today, and there was a whole thing on Nextdoor about this issue of whether people are going to take this particular medical treatment or not. And what I found, and I, I decided not to use these as slides because it has people's names in it, and then they might get targeted, but my God, there were people on this public forum calling for the death of anyone that won't accept the treatment. That they are so afraid that they cannot tolerate these people being alive and having any freedom. So if you're getting your ass kicked and you have no idea why your life sucks so much, it's probably because you were a real jerk in another lifetime. And those people probably will not be capable of polarizing towards freedom. So let's go back to the slide. The light of freedom will burn in this struggle within those people who are capable of such polarization. So if you, if you haven't really made it into third density yet, that means that you haven't learned individuation. You haven't learned to think for yourself, make up your own mind, and discard the voice of the collective authority. Okay, that's a basic criteria for third density. Because second density animals, they listen to the collective. They listen to what they say, whoever they is, or whoever they are. Better English. They listen to what they say, whoever they is or whoever they are, better English. Why are we not seeing how effectively everyone's been lied to? Well, a lot of people are, but man, there are some people who are still totally asleep, and it's very sad and it's very scary to read them calling for the deaths of others who refuse to get this treatment. Haven't we learned anything from World War II? Haven't we learned anything from... You know, Isolating a particular population whose opinions don't agree with the government and then demonizing them and, and trying to call for their mass extermination. 
This is not too uncommon, folks. It's the old playbook. And if you can't figure out that it's just a different name now, it's not Hebrew anymore, now it's something else, but it's a targeted group. Wow, I mean, these people are actually out there uh, significantly calling for death, imprisonment, and, 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 and the total loss of freedom for these people. And then you have the alleged leader of this country going out there, well, we're losing our patience with you. What? Who's we? No, I don't think it should be mandatory. I wouldn't demand to be mandatory, but I would do everything in my power. Just like I don't think masks have to be made mandatory nationwide. I'll do everything in my power as the President of the United States to encourage people to do the right thing, and when they do it, demonstrate that it matters. That's why I said on my, in my inaugural speech, I'm going to ask people to commit for 100 days to wear a mask. Not because I'm asking it uh, to, for any reason to punish. This is not a political issue. It's become one. But if people do it for 100 days, in the middle of what will be still a raging crisis, and the vaccine is able to be distributed, they're going to see deaths drop off the edge. They're going to see hundreds of thousands of people not getting sick. And my hope is they'll be then inclined to say, okay, it's worth it's worth the patriotic duty to go ahead and protect other people. Thank you all so very much. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. The unvaccinated overcrowd our hospitals, are overrunning emergency rooms and intensive care units, leaving no room for someone with a heart attack or pancreatitis or cancer. This is not about freedom or personal choice. It's about protecting yourself and those around you, the people you work with, the people you care about, the people you love. My job as president is to protect all Americans. So tonight, I'm announcing that the Department of Labor is developing an emergency rule to require all employers with 100 or more employees that together employ over 80 million workers to ensure their workforces are fully vaccinated or show a negative test at least once a week. Some of the biggest companies are already requiring this. United Airlines, Disney, Tyson's Food, and even Fox News. My message to unvaccinated Americans is this. What more is there to wait for? What more do you need to see? We've made vaccinations free, safe, and convenient. The vaccine is FDA approval. Over 200 million Americans have gotten at least one shot. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin. And your refusal has cost all of us. And what? I mean, like, the thing that they've just done now, to me, is not about actually getting it to work because they know it's not going to work. There's already like half of the states of America have definitively shown that they will not allow this to occur at the state government level, which they'll still try to get around that, of course. I mean, I was hearing about this. They're going to try to chop everything up into UN green zones, mandatory camps, mandatory injections, right? That's that We've heard all this stuff. I've heard this from briefings, high-level briefings, that they're trying to get this to happen. 
Well, maybe we will. You never know. Let's see. <laughs> That's Jen Psaki. Oh, we never know. We might try it. But uh, given the president's uh, frequent encouragement that people get vaccinated, where do things stand as far as the president deciding whether or not he will mandate that federal employees must be vaccinated or members of the military must be vaccinated or would he work in conjunction with private sector employers who want to uh, have those kinds of requirements for return to work? Well, I wouldn't anticipate that we would be putting requirements on private sector companies, uh, and I would expect that we would uh, allow the space for them to put those requirements in place themselves or decide what is best for their workforces. Economic suppression, media suppression, lack of uh, access to health and medical supplies, including vaccines, there are a range of reasons and, and voices we're hearing from people on the ground who are protesting. So when these protesters are yelling freedom and enough, there are people within the administration who think they are saying freedom from rising COVID cases. Again, I would say that when people are out there in the streets protesting and complaining about the lack of access to uh, economic uh, prosperity, to the medical supplies they need, to a life they deserve to live. Uh, that can take on a range of meetings. There's a global pandemic right now. Most people in that country don't have access to vaccines. That certainly is something we'd love to help with. We never know. We might try it. It's awful. I mean, I have to go through this. I have to watch this stuff just like you. But I guess one advantage I have is that I've seen these prophecies already. And then when these things come true, I was like, well, let's go back and look at that prophecy in the law of one about global tyranny again. See what the hell it says. And it was much more precise than I could have ever imagined, right? So then they're actually saying other weapons, plural, will be used that do not create large spread damage. They just cause death, okay? And then the light of freedom will burn within those who are capable of feeling that desire. And that's another interesting comment, is that there are people who are not capable of freedom. They're not capable of wanting to be free. They can't. They are addicted to the collective. They worship mommy and daddy in the form of mommy and daddy government, mommy and daddy media, mommy and daddy, they who know everything and are, are trying to run the country. They don't have your interests in mind. They don't want to help you. They don't want to keep you safe. They don't want you to be free from sickness. They don't want to reduce your symptoms. They don't give a shit about you. They don't. And they never will. They only want you to serve them. That's what psychopaths do. They want to control you. They want to manipulate you. And they will laugh in your face as they lie to you. And you try to say, well, wait a minute. Last week you said, I don't care. I don't care if I said before that we would never force this on you. That it's your body. I don't care. Now we're telling you something else. So now everybody is getting to have the gut bucket, knock down, drag out, dysfunctional relationship that really should have ended in divorce a long time ago. And why the hell aren't they, are they still together? That's what we're in right now. An abusive, dysfunctional relationship where you are the victim and the abuser, the perpetrator, is the alleged elite. And it's become a very personal story that affects each of us. Will I continue to take this job? if they're gonna make me do this. And many people are now saying no. Over 70% of the polling data shows that people will leave. It could be a mass walkout. And that kind of Gandhi-level peaceful protest is the only thing I'm calling for. I am not calling for violence. I will never call for violence. I would disavow violence. I do disavow violence. Don't go to these protests. Don't bring any type of weapon at all, please. 
If you want to go to the protests at all, if you see anything happening you'd like to get involved in, don't bring anything with you that you could get in trouble for if you get arrested. And certainly, if you see any type of violence or weird, nasty stuff starting to happen, turn and run. Get away from that area as quickly as possible. And don't fall for this false stuff where they're trying to get, they're, they're trying to control and create the protest, right? They, they're telling you what day it's going to be on television. Oh, there's going to be a protest on September so-and-so. And, you know, everybody's really mad about so-and-so, and they're all going to be out there demonstrating. That's not true. Nobody's going to this thing. Who's real? It's going to be completely a no-show, just like the other one was. But what is going to happen? The nonlinear stuff that the Law of One was talking about. Okay, so it says, the light of freedom would burn within those capable of such polarization, lacking the opportunity for the overt expression of the love of freedom, which is actually what's happening to me. I can't usually talk about this right now, right? I'm going to get censored. I'll lose my whole platform. Lacking the opportunity for the overt expression of the love of freedom, the seeking for inner knowledge will take root aided by those of the brothers and sisters of sorrow who remember their calling upon this sphere. So that means brothers and sisters of sorrow, again, are wanderers, ET souls, probably like you. If you're a big fan of the stuff that I talk about, you're probably not a regular human being because you get into this and you like this, whereas everybody else, you try to talk to them about it, they're like, oh. They, freedom is a very difficult concept to, to envision. It's the freedom of thinking. It's the freedom to envision that the world is completely different than what you thought. That everything you thought you knew is wrong. That's a huge perceptual shift. And it is a necessary stage of awakening that we all have to go through. That the world is very, very different than what we've been told. Science is very, very different than what we've been told. Many, many pieces of this consciousness science, the idea that DNA is, is a product of a intelligence that arises out of quantum mechanics itself. The DNA molecule is made by the intelligent laws implicit in quantum mechanics. We've had proof of this for a decade, 10 decades. Nobody ever is going to promote it because the press is controlled. They don't want you to know that you have a spirit. They don't want you to know that God is real. They don't want you to know that there is an afterlife, that you will never die, that you don't need to be afraid of your death. I mean, honestly, right now, it, the fourth density that's coming is a total reboot of the earth, and they say in the law of one that even people who died and are in the afterlife will come back into bodies when we go into 4D. If you lost your mother, if you lost your father, if you lost your brother, your sister, your wife, your husband, and you, and you grieve about their loss, they're going to be back. You're going to see them in a new body when we go through this. That's what the prophecies tell us. No one is lost. No one is really dead. You're going to hang out with them in a physical body again. They might be in a different configuration, but that's what's going to happen. So the brothers and sisters of sorrow, when you can't overtly express the desire for freedom, it leads to the inner seeking. And so what they're actually doing right now is giving us some advice. And what they're saying is, yeah, you, don't, you can't really talk about this stuff because you're going to get taken down in most of these platforms. But... What you can do is encourage others to pursue spiritual growth, because that's really the core of what we're here for. Now let's go back to the slide. Okay, so then he's going to follow up on this thing about this global war, because he's very concerned. Are you saying then that this possible condition of war would be much more greatly spread across the surface of the globe than anything we have experienced in the past? Answer, 
this is correct. It's a very on-the-nose prophecy. And they didn't say it's definitely going to happen, but I think they were pretty sure that it would. And that's why they talk about it. I just didn't want to believe it, so that's why I said, well, you know, if this actually happens, I'll talk about it. But up until then, I don't want to put that out there. Okay, let's go on. Okay, so that was the quote. Uh, I'm sorry, it doubled again. I don't know why. Now look at this. As they continue to answer this question, this is what they say next, the very next thing. There are those now experimenting with one of the major weapons of this scenario, that is the so-called psychotronic group of devices. Whoa! One of the major weapons of this scenario, psychotronic. Well, let's look up that word real quick, okay? So this is what I did. I did it on DuckDuckGo, uh, just to give them some shout-outs. What is psychotronics? Declassified yet partially redacted company documents from September 1975 reveal a mysterious subtle energy device developed by a Czechoslovakian scientist named Robert Pavilta. According to the report, his psychotronic devices, called psychotronic or Pavilta generators, can draw, store, and transmit the life force energy of an individual. Hmm. Draw the life force energy off of an individual. Control the way that people think. Let's look at another definition, this time from Wikipedia. Psychotronics. Psychotronics may refer to psychotronics parapsychology, a Czech term for research and development in parapsychology. Psychotronic harassment, a.k.a. electronic harassment. The very second term that comes up. And remember, what did they say? Psychotronic devices. One of the major weapons of this scenario, right? Okay. So now let's go back. So it says psychotronic harassment. And then as you see, there's a disambiguation on that. You can click on the psychotronic harassment link. So let's click on that and see what happens. Now we go to the wiki page for electronic harassment. And it says, this article is about purported harassment and torture with covert energy weapons for the harming or harassing by the World Wide Web or similar. See, cyberbullying. That's good. Okay, yeah. Electronic harassment, electromagnetic torture, or psychotronic torture is a conspiracy theory that government agents make use of electromagnetic radiation, such as microwave auditory effect, radar, and surveillance techniques to transmit sounds and thoughts mm, into people's heads, affect people's bodies, and harass people. Individuals who claim to experience this call themselves targeted individuals or TIs. They claim they are victims of gang stalking, and many have created or joined support and advocacy groups. Multiple medical professionals have evaluated that these experiences are hallucinations, the result of delusional disorders or psychosis. Of course, it couldn't possibly be anything other than that, because nobody would ever try to aim a microwave at a human being. Nobody would ever think of that. Sure, of course, nobody would ever try to invent this stuff, right? Nobody would ever try this. I mean, right now, we had this whole situation where the vice president of the U.S. at this time, or at least who appears to be, she went to a particular country and appears to have gotten an electromagnetic attack. And that was in the public because she suddenly fell ill and then had to cancel the trip. And, and I've read a lot of stuff about this. So we, we are talking about this. These, these things do exist. Okay. So once again, going back to the slide, it says there are those now experimenting with one of the major weapons of this scenario, the so-called psychotronic group of devices. Now wait for it, part two, which are being experimentally used to cause such alterations in wind and weather, 
as will result in eventual famine. Whoa! So now we're talking about weather control. Well, how much have you heard me talk about weather control? Obviously, I believe that the polar vortex sliding all the way down to Texas and plunging them into a deep freeze, it was literally apocalyptic for many people. That's not normal. I believe that was a manipulated event. I believe most of the fires that we're seeing are manipulated. I believe that they are igniting fires using satellites. It's not that hard. You just set up a beam and you zap one area, get it going. But also now we have PV, this, this project uh, that's out there. And the, the second word means truth. You, you probably know who I'm talking about. They've done a lot of incredible work. And just recently this came up, okay? Their headquarters was destroyed by a strange weather system which just so happened to hit their area of Long Island, New York, the hardest out of anyone. Now, let's talk about this again, okay? A hurricane slides up the east coast of America, makes landfall in Mamaroneck, New York, the exact area where this group is located who's doing the most damage to the usual suspects right now. And they have this horrible flood. Let's look at the next picture. Their whole office was wiped out. I mean, I watched the videos that were taken in this room, and now you can see the water line on the brick wall in the back is below the logo. You see the desk is all waterlogged. I mean, this it was the, the floodwaters went up so high. And he says, Our hearts are broken today as our headquarter office in Mamaroneck was devastated by the storm last night. And it was supposedly revealed teachings, meaning there was a group of three people who telepathically received this through Carla Ruckert, who was unconscious and didn't retain any of the data. And so when I started to read the Law of One, you get this perspective that alleges to be from entities that we could think of as not even maybe archangels, but even higher, like seraphim or cherubim in the Bible. And, you know, so cherub is another word that's similar to cherub, cherubim, cherub, that's where that comes from. So a cherub is a lot more interesting than a little fat angel with, with heart-shaped lips or something. <laughs> it's a much more interesting situation. So the Law of One series claims to be from a, a source that's like a whole planet worth of people like us who have ascended into fourth density, then into fifth density, then into sixth density. So apparently there are three dimensional levels ahead of us in evolution in the universe. Incidentally, they also say this is the highest level that ever interacts with terrestrial humans at all. And after, when you get to seventh density, all they really do is advise sixth density and then work on going back to the oneness, which is they call the octave or eighth density. So when I started to read this stuff, it talks about the world being an illusion. And clearly a major part of the collapsing of the illusion is the exposure of entrenched negativity and evil on this planet. And so you're absolutely right. I think that you made a very good point because when you start to remember your dreams and write them down, and especially if you start trying to practice lucid dreaming, you become accustomed to the idea that when you're in a lucid dream, you're not going to know that it's a dream. It's going to seem just as real as your waking life. And so then the question becomes, how do you know that this life isn't also some kind of a dream? Since you can, I mean, you have to do this, you have to do it yourself, but if you practice and have a lucid dream, you can no longer deny that while your body was sleeping in that bed, 
that you could experience a three-dimensional reality that you could touch and taste and see and smell. It's just seemingly as real as this one, except as you said, Mike, it's a thought projection. So if you look at something and you look away and you look back, typically it will have already changed by then. You, you've hit upon something that's very powerful and I think critical to this, this awakening that you're referring to or ascension as you talk about in, in your work. Right. And that is uh, the, the typical person has a fleeting little window of awareness that's just a few seconds in the past and a few seconds of now. I mean, that's about it, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just gone, gone, gone. And in that little tiny window of awareness, the reality that they're presented with, whether it's in our waking world or in their dream, they accept that reality as if it were fact exactly. and they don't question it and so you can be in a dream you can be in a different place you can be a different age you can be married to a different person than your current spouse whatever but you accept that as real for some reason it's it's also interesting that dreams can get you to believe very very flimsy ideas that really don't hold up under intellectual scrutiny that's right yeah. but think about think about covid right and what's happening in our world right now honestly david to me this feels a lot like a dream that has to be questioned because it's so irrational. It's so crazy. It feels like that moment when you're in a dream and about to go into awareness where you, you're like, wait a second. You know that moment I'm talking about? What is this shit? That stuff makes pure mescaline seem like ginger beer, man. Adrenochrome. Adrenochrome? Hmm. Ah! You won't be bothering anybody for a while. Yeah, I left him out there. I stomped him. I pulled all his teeth out. I remember thinking, Jesus, what a terrible thing to lay on somebody with a head full of acid. But we have a problem. That bastard cashed a bad check downstairs and gave you as a reference. They'll be looking for both of you. Uh, yeah, I know, Lucy, but you can't judge a book by its cover. Some people are just basically rotten. Anyway, the last thing in the world you want to do is call this hotel again. They'll trace the call and put you straight behind bars. No, I'm moving to the Tropicana right away. Damn head off right there in the parking lot, then they got all kinds of holes in her and sucked out the blood. 
They were after the penal gland, I think. Yeah. No, how's your mama? Ignore this terrible drug. Yeah. Pretend it's not happening. Well, Zook, on the list. Free lunch, final wisdom, total coverage. I have my attorney. With me? And I realize that his name is not on that list, but we must have that suite. Yes, we must have that suite. What's the score here? What's next? Your suite isn't ready yet, but someone was looking for you. No, we haven't done anything yet. Move. I can't handle this. This man suffers from a bad heart. Would have plenty of medicine. My name is Dr. Gonzalez. Prepare a suite at once. We'll be in the bar. The whole world has gotten extremely bizarre, and I have never been that surprised because when I started to read the law of one in January, something happens called attunement. And attunement is where if you expose yourself to sacred teachings, which could include any sacred texts that you like, the Bible, you talk, Mike, a lot on your show about reading the Bible. I think that's awesome. And it's definitely a lot of great stuff in there. So when we're, when we're engaged in a spiritual seeking process, the answers can come in strange ways. And so I have these dreams where the UFO is shooting down a telephone, it starts ringing. And I had another dream where there was a spirit who wanted to talk. And he said, here, turn on the tape recorder. Let's see if I can do uh, the, the automatic voice recording. If, if you've ever heard of that, supposedly certain paranormal investigators would turn on a cassette recorder in an otherwise empty room, and then you go back and listen to it. If it was a place where there was supposedly a ghost or a haunting, you go back to the tape, you play it, and you hear this scary as hell voice kind of whispering and talking. And you can, in some cases, you can even make out what it says. Now, that's really spooky and crazy, but I read about it in the paranormal literature. It never worked for me. But in the dream, this guy was telling me, he, I knew he was dead, but I could talk to him. And he said, look, I'm not going to be able to get the tape recorder to work, but what if I just tell you what I want to say and then you dictate it into the machine? And I said, yeah, that would work. Well, a few months later, that's what started to happen. And this is where the first part of my career kind of launched was 1996, November 10th. I began having a uh, telepathic contact that, again, it was... I had to get myself, we were just talking about that in a dream, you, 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 you'll buy things that are not really very believable, and you just have a suspension of disbelief. To do these readings properly, you have to really get away from the words, and it's a very difficult meditation, actually, to allow yourself to speak without paying any attention to the content. Right. And sometimes you'll just hear it. Like, uh, I, would, I would hear a voice just as clear as we're having a conversation now and he'd say something and I'd say it and then he'd say something and I'd say it another thing that started to happen a lot is that I would see in my mind's eye like a, a page or a computer screen and I would watch writing being written on it and then I just read it and I just read I just read the text into the tape recorder um 
So that's really about as simple of an explanation. But the point is that once I started doing this, it starts talking all this Jesus stuff. And I was not a Christian. And there's, you know, Christ cometh, the very first message I ever got, the first two words they ever gave me was Christ cometh, believe it or not. Um, and so, and I just, I couldn't understand at that time what the big deal was about this Jesus stuff because I'd grown up in a family that was really antagonistic to religion. Uh, we went to church on Christmas. You know, that's about it. And uh, so, well, I'd go ahead. I, I'd like to offer some additional context for the viewers here that the, the consciousness, the mind, uh, interfaces with the physical brain. And the mind or consciousness uh, is both a transmitter and a receiver of information. Yeah. And in fact, every conscious uh, creature, every conscious being uh, throughout the entire cosmos is both a, a transmitter and a receiver of information. Correct. And I, I, I've talked about this in um, uh, one of my books, The Contagious Mind, uh, which is, you know talks about the hundredth monkey concept. And, and even, by the way, uh, crystals, crystalline structures can share information about their molecular format with other uh, uh, liquids that form crystals in other labs elsewhere around the planet. So that's all been documented. Sure. So just, so what, what's, what's interesting, especially about you, David, is that your sensitivity, so you, you were born with a level of sensitivity to information, and then now you've found ways to, to, you know, to write it down or to record it or to remember it. Where I, mean, I think the, for a lot of Michael people- Michael would say, Michael would, my, Archangel Michael, which is the source that started the talk in 1999, um, after I've been doing this for a couple of years, it kind of upgraded. Uh, and we'll talk about that. But Michael always says that we are all capable of talking this way. I'm not special. I don't have a special ability except in the sense, I guess, according to Michael's terminology, that I've done this in other lifetimes. And I have a, it's easier for me to get started in another lifetime because I already did it before. But he stresses a lot that everybody can do this. It's not anything about being a special person. Got it, right, right. I, I would agree that, that, that everyone, every mind is this amazing gift of creation, you know, and that can connect to so much information. And I, wouldn't you say, well, I guess this is my question to you, so much of what the media does or, or censorship or the fear programming is really about keeping you hyper-focused in this crisis of the now instead of allowing you to let go of this fake crisis usually and, and, and get information from other places that, that's rooted in truth. Right. So Michael says that most of our people on earth live in true helplessness. And true helplessness is a state in which the higher beings manifest karmic comeuppance for you. You get a karmic experience, a wheel of karma. And as you go through this experience and you suffer horribly, you gain no new spiritual insight than you did the last time you got the same lesson with different people. That's true helplessness. Good point. Yeah, exactly. So, so most of us exist in true helplessness. Another thing that they say in the law of one is most of your peoples exist in a state of perpetual childhood. Huh. Uh, and I think that the big lesson on earth right now is about children learning to become adults, which means that you don't have to do what mommy and daddy want anymore and you can make your own decisions. 
I completely agree. I've I've often felt that this process of sort of the the end of the era of scarcity and fear uh, is actually a transition from infanthood into adulthood or childhood into adulthood, and and as adults, you know, we we have to, we have as a civilization of adults, we have to process information in a different way, and and we have to you know, consider the future ramifications of present day actions. And we, we must also stop being the child victims all the time, right? That's a key, I think. It's so important to recognize that if you, if you don't heal the trauma that you had as a child, you might as well be walking around on a broken leg without having splinted it or set it or anything. If you don't heal, your emotional trauma, if you don't allow yourself to cry sometimes, if you don't allow yourself to think about and review memories that happened before, and of course, under the guise of forgiveness. In other words, dwelling on your past is not the exercise. The exercise is to reflect on your past with the understanding that all is sacramental and that all can be forgiven. Well, very, very wise words. Um, I want to, if it's okay with you, sure. I want to bring us back to what you have going on right now with this new course. I'd uh, love to. Because I, I have a feeling you and I could sit in a room and just brainstorm for 12 hours straight. Maybe we will, share you know, we, that, experience. that would be fun. Yeah, maybe so. I would, I would definitely welcome that. Um, in the meantime. We'll bring you uh, out to the, we'll bring you out to the factory and, you, you know, we'll, uh, we could tape about. The, the coming free energy anti-gravity movement that we got here. Oh, and I'd love to have you yeah. be a part of that. Well, I, I would love to be a part of that. Let's let let's actually talk about some of that. You mentioned some technologies that that have existed for you know eons that are about to be disclosed. This is part of your new course, the disclosure. Uh, could you give us a, an overview of what this is all about? Okay, so um, in the in the first of all, let me just say one quick thing, which is that throughout the entire year 1999. I was uploading everything that Michael said onto my website in just raw data, raw transcripts. There's an incredible time loop going on between 1999 and everything that's happening now. And in the last three YouTube videos that I did, the last four now, I've been going through these prophecies every Sunday. Um, in these prophecies is two different encoded mentions of Pete Peterson. That His real name was Gary. And I think they called him Gerald Sanderson. So they got pretty close. Gerald Sanderson, Gary Peterson. They don't, they can't give you the exact name because it would violate free will, but they try to get close. Just like with Nostradamus, when Nostradamus' source talked about Hitler, it said Hister, if you remember that. I do, yes. So I just had another one this morning, the very beginning of 1999. It said, Welcome Slyn, S-L-Y-N-N which is one letter off from Flynn, and S even looks like F. So it could be Welcome Flynn. But then you could also take the S from Slynn and stick it on the welcome, and then you get Welcomes Lynn, which is like Lynn Wood and Mike Lindell. And, and so in one, in, in like two words, they, they encoded General Flynn, Mike Lindell, and Lynn Wood all at once, which just blew me away. And I just saw that this morning. Uh, you know, a roasting nowadays, oh yeah, I knew Jesus. <laughs> He was my brother. He didn't wash his hands. Jesus didn't wash his hands, okay? Just want to let you know that. 
or I'm smoking a Gauloise. You know, it's a Gauloise. We have a very special cigarette in France. Anyway, enough of that. <laughs> I don't know where all this stuff comes from. The holographic nature of the matrix in your world is creating greater and greater weather disturbances, right? This is actually caused by us, the change of, of, of the planet. And as we have said so often, this is directly related to the intensifying energetic procedures bringing about this evolutionary shift, juxtaposed against the relative inadequacy of your people's acclimation to this energy. Okay, so let me explain something here. The universe is nice. The universe is loving. Love is what the, in the law of one, they say, Jesus, the Logos, the galaxy, and love are all the same thing. Logos is love, even though it also represents our galaxy, and there's other Logoi that represent other galaxies. God the Father, of course, all the galaxies put together, God the Son being our galaxy. That's what they tell us to think in the law of one. So when they say that we're not, that we have inadequacy in acclimating to this energy, okay, the universe is already loving. The evil path only, la they call it the left-hand path, right? The left-hand path can't last past the end of fifth density. You can get right into the beginning of early sixth density, but at that point you have to release the negative polarity or else you will just disintegrate. Some souls apparently do disintegrate. They can't release their negativity and they have to be broken up into other multiple individuals. And each of those individuals then has to suffer through the karma that they did in this one lifetime. So some people have so much bad karma that they literally have to reincarnate as multiple individuals who all get the crap beat out of them because they were so evil. This can happen. So when we are not loving enough in our own lives, when we are not loving enough as a planet, guess what happens? We get unusable heat in the earth. The earth starts heating up, we get volcanoes, we get earthquakes, we get tsunamis, we get hurricanes, all these kind of things are gonna happen. Severe heat, severe cold, flooding, droughts, you name it. Earth changes are the result of our consciousness. The earth is in a dynamic interchange with us. So these beings have tried so hard to say, please, will you guys understand that if that if you are not all in a loving space, that you're not safe. And the world will continue showing you things to knock you back into that loving space until you learn to stay loving, okay? So the, back to the slide, the relative inadequacy of your people's acclimation synergy means we're just not loving enough in general. The powers of corruption need a whole new perspective. This is talking about the deep state, right? And they will be getting it as time progresses. This is a prophecy of their downfall. When the swine must go back to their own pen and sit and contemplate upon what they have done in the fields, they will be most upset. This is a very, first of all, it's, it's not very loving, right? I said Archangel Michael, he's got that sword. He's, he's a badass. He's going to get in there and cause damage, right? So he's calling them swine. He's not mincing words at all. And this is a being of love, but, you know, this is his opinion, obviously. And when they must go back to their own pen and contemplate what they've done in the fields, right? He's saying that they will be all arrested, that they will be stopped, and the whole world is going to learn about this. So this is another, uh, this is another prophecy of that. They will be getting it. Back to the slide. The powers of corruption need a whole new perspective, and they will be getting it. They will be forced to go back to their own pen and sit and contemplate what they've done, and they will be most upset. Our biggest interest at this point is to ensure 
that no harm comes to our participants, which in this case would be you. So keep that thought firmly entrenched in your mind, and you will not be led astray. <clears throat> and then they further this corn analogy by saying a joke. They say, when you become all ears, right, like ears of corn, <laughs> you will be ready to hear the approach of the threshing machine as well knowing all the while that you are about to be transformed, so that you may make the bread of the divine and be seen to again rise into a new state of being completely. And this is another title slate I made off of stuff that they said, just the next sentence. What follows will be the most intense periods you have ever seen. And so we haven't even gotten there yet, right? Because they know we're in the present. Do not fear them. It couldn't get more on the nose than that, folks. It's going to be the most stuff you've ever seen, but do not be afraid. Let's go on. Remain clearly focused and active in your life, especially in the sense of using these opportunities to face the self and become more and more grounded and clear as to what your issues are and what steps you may make to resolve them. So again, as all these things are happening in the world, they always say, go back to the internal work, get into your spirituality, lev raise your vibration, levitate your energy. What we don't want for you is to allow this energetic fragmentation to continue, which is basically emotional trauma causing you to not always be loving. That's what they mean. Simply stay focused, clear, and conscious, and you will not be led astray. What we have here is not a bunch of children playing with matches, but a bunch of budding godselves starting to realize their own abilities and powers. I love that line. I love that line. Mount Pinatubo gets ready to burst again. And right now we have the, the, the island of La Palma, the volcano on La Palma is, is exploding. So this is another time loop. Mount Pinatubo gets ready to burst again. And those who would perform an act of service in this guard can simply, in this regard, can simply seek to give over their prayers. Now, here's the thing, folks. La Palma is, is looking like it's being hit with energy weapons to try to make it go off to try to make it explode. That's what all these weird cross hatchings are. When you look at the NASA global fire map, which shows where the temperatures are, these temperatures do not at all look natural. They look like somebody is zapping it in a grid with microwave beams to try to make the darn thing go off. Now, why are they trying to make it go off? If you've been reading stuff like, like stuff I've read for many, many, many years, there's been this plan that when the cabal was really out of time, that they want to blow up the volcano and cause it to fall into the ocean so we get a tsunami that wipes out the East Coast. This would be a big distraction. This is exactly what they need right now to distract from the audit, right? They're trying to do it. Look again at the slide. Look at the cross-hatching, folks. These hotspots are not natural. That is a technology that is being used because they're so desperate that they're trying to get this to happen. And again, if we go back, what did it actually say? Mount Pinatubo, which again is an analogy for La Palma, and it's even got a P in it, Palma Pinatubo, gets ready to burst again. And those who would perform an act of service in this regard can simply seek to give over their prayers. So that's what we need to do, is pray for this not to happen, and we're about to do that. Mount Pinatubo gets ready to burst again, and those who would perform an act of service in this regard can simply seek to give over their prayers so as to help facilitate the frequency increase in a way that does not prolong the suffering of the herd, but rather singles out the weakest ones and selectively kills them, metaphorically, of course. Now, what they're doing here is they're, 
They're saying metaphorically, but in fact, they're actually, they encoded the fact that this is what the elite, not, this is not what they want, okay? They're not saying that this is good, but this is what the elite are doing. They're setting off these, these volcanoes and they are singling out the weakest ones and selectively, <clears throat> you know what? And again, it's only the old really, because younger people probably will make it if they've been inoculated as long as they can get these treatments I've described, including the antidote. The brunt of these philosophical discussions is absorbed by those who many, many times over have allowed themselves to stray away from nature's bounty. Wait for this, folks. If you haven't been blown away yet, the folks who have allowed themselves to stray away from nature's medicine, natural medicine that will keep you completely healthy, and instead reside squarely within the FDA's so-called chemical nutrients that are believed by some to have healing and restorative powers. Holy Jesus, man. The FDA's so-called chemical nutrients that are believed by some, that's the vaccine. That's what they're talking about. It's so obvious, it's so obvious. And we just had the FDA whistleblower come out just a few days ago. Mr. Mr. Blodart here, right? So then I looked this up, you know, the, the FDA approval because that only happened just, just very recently. So we're in the time loop, right? And it says, you know, FDA approves, but only for certain populations. So how could they possibly have known about this in October 1999? It's just unbelievable. Then they go on. The reality of same is that the entire situation revolves around an issue of trust. Do you continue to allow the truth to become the truth, the reality to become reality, and the necessities to become necessities? Uh, so what I'm getting now is to the idea that it appears from the 1999 stuff that everyone I was going to meet and everything that happened to me was being guided by Michael, whatever Michael is. So I met Pete in 2009, and he claimed to be the most valuable player for technology for the deep state. He, he would hang out with Rumsfeld. He would hang out with Dick Cheney. He would hang out with Ronald Reagan. Uh, and they asked him to invent things that they needed. For example, certain highly oxygenated fuels for jets uh, were eating through the metal in the tank. And he actually invented a coating that will cause metal to no longer rust. And so that's one of the things that we could leak out in the future. So in 2009, he introduced me to another insider that we're calling Ben. And he said to me that Ben built, I don't know if I can say this, but I mean, he's already said this before, that Ben built spaceships that we're using in this off-planet situation, which is, you know, when you really find out what's going on and what's happening on Earth, it's very depressing and it totally fits with biblical prophecy because it appears that both gray aliens and reptilians are feeding on human bodies. That's one of the things that you learn. We need to get rid of these human traffickers. We need to get these aliens out of here because they are demons and it's worse than you think. It's a lot worse than you think. What's going on with the border? Most of those people are not going to become American citizens. Well, thousands of Haitian migrants have been cleared from underneath that bridge that connects Del Rio, Texas to Mexico. It's a humanitarian crisis that's been widely condemned. Just days ago, thousands of migrants were found camping in Del Rio, Texas. But today, the mayor of that city says Del Rio is nearly empty. Since Sunday, close to 2,000 Haitians have been rapidly expelled on flights. And nearly 4,000 migrants were being processed for a possible return to Haiti or placement in U.S 
U.S. immigration court proceedings. That's what they call a meat wagon. And I heard about meat wagons all the way back in 2010, that they let people through the border, they put them on a bus, they drive them into an underground base, and whatever happens from there. So We, we are very much aware of that. I wasn't going to get into that in this, but since you bring it up, it, it's confirmed through so many sources, people on the ground. We, kn we know that that's happening. You're exactly right. And it's, it's, it's not just children, it's adults too. If you look at uh, see, I can say things on Brighteon that I would never want to say on YouTube, which is great. That's true. Yeah. Well, welcome to Brighteon. Uh, go for it, you know? Okay. So let's talk about this a little bit. There's a movie called Jupiter Ascending uh, that was made by the Wachowskis, which they're the, they're the sisters who made The Matrix, right? I guess they identify as women now. So um, when we see Jupiter Ascending, there's reptilians and there's greys in the movie. Catherine Dunleavy, aren't you? The doctor is ready. It's the hormones, dear. Don't worry, you'll be fine. Trust me, honey, I could do this procedure with my eyes closed. No, 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 please, please. Just relax. And the spindly little greys are also answering to these people who in the movie are humans, but they're human-looking extraterrestrials, and they work with the reptilians. And what you find out in Jupiter Ascending is that these human-looking extraterrestrials are soaking in a liquid bath that's made from human bodies.
back, Lord Valem. It has been too long. I have not crossed the vastness of space for your pleasantries, Mr. Maps. a problem. waiting to be converted into capital. And this entire enterprise is just a small part in a vast and beautiful machine defined by evolution, designed to a single purpose. To create profit. your mother taught you, then I could see why you hated her. I loved Mama. And yet you're trying to kill me. My mother made me understand that every human society is a pyramid and that some lives will always matter more than others. And it's better to accept this than to pretend it isn't true. Is that why you killed her? How dare you! levels of usefulness and quality, but this is the most pure and most valuable solution made by the house of Brassens. Chloe came out of a bath. Naturally, my sister didn't explain what it is or where it comes from. It comes from people. Each unit is refined from approximately a hundred human beings. What? Your planet is a farm, Jupiter. There are thousands of planets like yours set up by families like mine to supply an ever-increasing demand for more time. You said you killed a hundred people to me. Not me, but... Yes. Someone did. Not like butchering a herd of cattle. <laughs> Oh! 
This is apparently what greys have to do to survive. That's why their DNA is breaking down, is that they, their genetics, they cloned themselves off of a small subject pool. But the part that we don't know is that the way that they try to stay alive is by using human growth factors and stem cells. And uh, we, as in our secret government, have made the greys an alternative option that can keep them alive, but they don't like the taste. So they're still human trafficking. So like if you go back to the Tom DeLonge disclosures that happened in whenever that was, 2015-ish, or whatever year it was, I can't really remember now, maybe 2017, something like that. But anyway, when the Tom DeLonge stuff came out, they showed you these sightings from a, a UFO around the USS Nimitz. You remember that? Of course you do. Yes. Okay, I'm going to tell you something really dark, and I'm sorry, but what's happening is that those UFOs are pulling up to corrupted U.S. military elements, and then they pick up their payment from the ship, if you follow what I'm saying by payment. They're picking up their payments. Our military is doing this. We took a crappy deal. We took a horrible deal, and we now have enough technology that we can actually get rid of these people and stop the payments. But in order to do that, we're gonna need a civilian space force. We're gonna need a civilian-led, or at least a civilians with military, so that we can go against corrupted aspects of our own infrastructure that are actually cooperating with these beings and using this for uh, their own sustenance, I guess. And wouldn't you know, and I got a tractor driving right behind me as that's no, okay. <laughs> and then, you know, Trump, of course, highlighted uh, Space Force, and it's something that I think the Biden regime is trying to, to shut down. But politics aside, uh, there are, at least according to the sources I've spoken with, uh, white hat sources inside the military intelligence and also Space Force and so on, that that are, are you know, talking amongst themselves and to certain people about this battle is being waged right now. This is actually happening. Oh, yeah. There is a war going on with the Draco right now. And Pete would talk to me about this. And he said that we were winning. Um, there's about, from what Pete said, there's about 3,500 of these ships out there that, that Ben built at least uh, that we're using. And he said there's Americans all over the galaxy. He said that we have colonized 65 locations off planet Earth throughout the galaxy, and that each one of these locations typically will have at least 3,500 soldiers there. And that so, the big so thing is all... to fight these reptilians. Um, in fact, I just got a whole bunch of new information on the Draco today, believe it or not. Uh, they are distributed all throughout the Constellation Draco. And apparently the reason the Constellation Draco was named that way is because there's a lot of them out there. So right. we are going to have to deal with this. We're going to have to deal with the human trafficking. We're going to have to stop. So, so what I'm trying to say, Mike, is that there's a direct through line between Greys, Satanism, Illuminati, human trafficking, and extraterrestrial UFO sightings. Okay, let me explain this to you because I wanted to do this somewhere, but not on YouTube. <laughs> Understandably, so yes. <laughs> who? Alistair Crowley arguably is the author of Satanism. The modern Satanism that the Cabal follows was created by Alistair Crowley. They love him, okay? And I'm sure you know that. So 
What you may not realize is that Aleister Crowley was contacted by a being called Lam, L-A-M. And if you look up Lam, it's a gray, or it looks grayish. It's like a gray hybrid with more human-looking eyes. Lam is the being that taught Crowley how to do satanic ceremonies, how to summon beings like him, okay, which involves the, the, the sacrificing of, of life forms. So, so the aliens brought this to us. Do you understand? They want, they want the elite to practice this, and an alien taught Crowley how to do Satanism. So these are demons, and you talk about this, Mike, but I'm just trying to connect some dots for you. So what then happens is... Well, yeah, but j j just, a, just a sec, if you don't mind me interjecting, sure. j just to help connect the dots uh, for the listeners here as well. So when we talk about globalists and their, their current spike protein release for human depopulation, or what right. I've called uh, trying to transform the planet into a post-human future, this is just a subset of what you're talking about, which is the extraterrestrial, you know, the, the, the evil extraterrestrials have come in and taught the globalists how to do this and actually how to empower uh, more, uh, more invocations of those dark forces through the mass extermination and sacrifice of living conscious human beings. Is that correct? Right. So, so here's my understanding. Not all greys are doing this, okay? So I want to make that clear. There, there appear to be other I mean, obviously we're in a huge galaxy and everybody looks human, so there's going to be humans that have big eyes that are not evil. However, one of the main contingents of greys that are here, that are working with our secret government, they require human protein to survive, or so they think. They like the taste. They soak in it like a bath. I don't know how they prepare it. I don't know... Uh, they don't need, so the Greys apparently don't need Satanism to be involved in the, in the preparation of the food. But the reptilians do. The reptilians, uh, they prefer to eat meat. Whereas the Greys actually do kind of like a, a blended <laughs> human shake. A, a human, human smoothie. smoothie, yeah, got it. <laughs> so um, it's very, I'm sorry to talk about this, but I feel like somebody's, I got to get this out somehow. You know, if something happened to me, I wanted to make sure everybody knows this. So uh, I don't think anything will, but, you know. Well, you know, if, if you don't mind me interjecting again, sure. let's remember that a couple of U.S. states have legalized the uh, liquefaction of dead human remains to be flushed into the municipal sewer systems, oh, wow. which is collected by, you know, trucks. And it's called then uh, biosolids, and it's spread onto the farms to be used as fertilizer. And this is something that we've documented extensively. And the reason I'm pointing this out is because this this recycling of kind of like the matrix, where the living are ground up and fed—I'm sorry, the dead are fed to the living, which was in the matrix 1999. Uh, this is actually happening even without. The, the other things that you've just mentioned. So what was for anybody the, watching the, the Wachowski movie, Jupiter Sending talks about it. And, right. then, and then Cloud Atlas, right? They got the soap, which is a human drink that they're drinking. Unable to eat or sleep. Like Ewing, the mortal coil has become a noose. Would rather become music.
they believe they are going to exaltation. But they are not. I'll say. Yeah, so this is, I mean, if anybody watching this is saying, oh, this couldn't possibly be true, go look up Washington state law about disposing of human remains in the sewer system that was legalized, I think, two years ago. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. I didn't even know that. That's disgusting. Well, you know, it's a Mike Adams show. You got to expect anything when you get on with Mike Adams. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, you're you're hitting me with all kinds of stuff I didn't know. So keep going. Well, I want you to know this because everybody is everybody in your community, my community, our community. You know, we're talking about Christianity. We're talking about demons, and and I want to make some dots connect, okay, so that you understand that what the Bible was talking about is absolutely true. So it, the, 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 the greys apparently don't need the victim to be tortured at all. They could take any, any human, it doesn't matter. But with the Draco, they really need the victim to have suffered. Part of what they feed on is the energy that we release in death, in suffering. Um, there right. is a way to feed on that, apparently, energetically. And I've talked about yeah, how clearly. there was a guy yeah. named uh, Brulikov who took fish eggs and then he put them next to fish eggs that were older, the older fish eggs will actually suck the health out of the younger fish eggs and kill them. And you can do this in a hermetically sealed container where the only thing in between is, is, is uh, quartz, which allows ultraviolet to pass through. If you put a glass slide in there so that the ultraviolet photons can't pass through, then the weaker fish eggs do not die and wither. They're fine. So there's some method by which the stronger fish eggs suck the actual health, energy, and vitality out of the weaker eggs, apparently having to do with ultraviolet photons stored in the DNA itself. And so when you block those ultraviolet photons from being sucked out of the room, now the eggs don't die. This is apparently the same principle in the spiritual sense where negative entities can feed on fear and feed on suffering. So then in in this context, most human beings living today are living in an oblivious uh, human crop plantation, essentially, which is being harvested for that life force energy plus the human proteins for the human smoothies that that you mentioned. And again, this is exactly what they talked about in the Matrix back in 99, that there were entire fields that were harvested. We're all batteries. We're all plugged into the Matrix to feed the Matrix. Time, they were dependent on solar power, and it was believed that they would be unable to survive 
without an energy source as abundant as the sun. Throughout human history, we have been dependent on machines to survive. Fate, it seems, is not without a sense of irony. The human body generates more bioelectricity than a 120-volt battery and over 25,000 BTUs of body heat. Combined with a form of fusion, the machines had found all the energy they would ever need. There are fields here, endless fields, where human beings are no longer born. We are grown. For the longest time, I wouldn't believe it. And then I saw the fields with my own eyes. Watched them liquefy the dead so they could be fed intravenously to the living. And standing there, facing the pure, horrifying precision, I came to realize the obviousness of the truth. What is the Matrix? Control. The Matrix is a computer-generated dream world, built to keep us under control in order to change a human being into this. No. I don't believe it. It's not possible. I didn't say it would be easy, Neo. I just said it would be the truth. Stop! Let me out! Let me out! But our leader wants it all. Other ships like this one are already on their way. The plan will take a generation. But he'll have his way. And the Earth will become a desert. And humanity will die. No. There won't be any people left by then. There's something else I have to show you. the side of death. Metabolism slowed extraordinarily. Diana's work. The people who disappeared. My son. Is in here somewhere. another ship like this one. Why are they being taken? Stored like this one I just killed. The leader needs them living. Some of them will be made into troops for battles with his enemy. What enemy? A force that has defeated him before. His enemy? That makes him our friends, right? I don't know. Well, it's something about. to go on. He said some of them would be his troops. Not all. 
No. What about the others? In addition to the water, there's another basic shortage on our planet. Right, and, and by the way, the elimination of the family is part of what's necessary to say that we don't need mothers any longer, that we can grow babies in these harvest farms, or we can grow them through, you know, modern medical science, what have you. So they, they eliminate the, the family and the motherhood, and then they eliminate the connection between the child and its mother. I agree. So I want to I wanna finish this because it is dark, but I think we should get through it. Um, so the next stage would be to see that you can, if, if I mean, I, I would never ever want to be involved in this, but these depraved people can perform a ceremony and summon these beings. I don't know if, if a gray is going to necessarily look like a gray. He might project some other image that looks like a gargoyle or a more traditional demon. It might still be a gray. Uh, but they do apparently become visible at the end of these ceremonies. So one of my insiders said that there's a, one of the laptop videos is of a, a, a session ending and something materializing at the end. Um, he only heard the audio of it. He hasn't seen it yet. And I don't know if ever, any of us are gonna see this, but we also need to be prepared that part of the big awakening that we're about to go through could be a much more sobering and terrifying realization that the people who are praying the demons are actually getting results where these demons appear in front of them. And we're gonna all know this as an absolute fact. That's what I think is gonna happen. Yeah, you're, you're, you are not the first person to, to relate that exactly. Really? That we're going, really? that's right, that's Ooh. right. Well, I know that, that some of the same people are talking to you and me. He won't admit it to me, but I'm pretty sure that it's the same guy, one of them. Yeah, well, yeah, it, might, it is a guy and uh, who warned me about the materialization but he also told me, um, I, won't, I won't reveal who he is, of course, but he also told me that if, if it takes material form, if it, if it has flesh or bones or tendons or what have you, then you can fight it in the physical Correct. world as well. Correct. Right? They, they are so fallible. It's not ethereal. They, are, they are physical beings that can die. That's right. Right. So hence my AR-15. <laughs> <laughs> so with... Well, so with I have I have copper I'm expanding copper tip bullets because I've also been told that copper has specific properties against um, supernatural forces as well. So one of the one of the strange it. things that I heard is that if you live in a in a desert area, greys don't like walking on sand or dirt of any kind. They they can't. They actually can't. They they really really don't like it. So. Uh, apparently one of the ways that they will capture the greys around Area 51 is just put a little piece of wood on the desert floor and the grey will never walk off of the wooden plate onto the desert sand. He, he can't really? walk on the desert for whatever reason. I don't know. That's just maybe, it, it's a, maybe it's a silica or a, or a silicon issue because well, that's... Well, if their body yeah. absorbs nutriment, right? Yeah. If they, if they soak through their skin, then their whole body is is sort of like something that could ingest so yeah that might be what it is that they don't want the silica and the and the you know well you know court i mean quartz is made out of silicon right 
the, the element silicon, right? So quartz is just uh, different colored quartz are, are silicon elements with different so-called impurities like iron or, or what have right. you, and that gives it different colors. So you know a lot more about the, about quartz than I do. So does that, I don't, that might be some honestly, interesting possibilities. You know, that's just a, that, that thing about capturing a gray in the desert. I have no idea why that works, but I like that we're speculating on it because probably in the post-disclosure future, we're all going to have to ask these questions of ourselves. You know, what are these beings? What's going on? But to just get back real quick to, you know, bad pun intended, the food chain uh, yeah. of what we were yeah, talking we could about. Get there's so many tangents for us where th this can go in 50 directions, but well, go ahead. Th this yeah. is stuff that I think you're probably the best person to disclose it with. Um, so anyway, to really kind of get this whole thing going, the grays, this particular species of grays, which we could call the Zeta reticulans, right? The Zeta reticulans are working with the Draco. They both need people. The, the reticulans taught us how to perform the rituals correctly. And our secret government Illuminati folks began practicing this. So it appears in the case of certain types of, of extraterrestrials, the, the evil ones, that what is happening is that they go through this ceremony, they terminate the victim, they uh, remove the, the blood, which may or may not be consumed immediately. Um, they remove certain organs, which they sell for organ donor harvesting. And so that it's a fundraiser. And then when they've gotten the organs out, they take the, the shell and hand it over. And I think probably in a lot of cases, they're handing it over through the portal as the little guy shows up in the room. So they handle the cleanup. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's very wow. dark, and I'm really sorry to have to hit this with people's, but you know, part of what we have to go through is to is to learn what's really going on. And in the Archangel Michael time loop from 1999, I just this morning found, I didn't even know we were gonna do this. You gave me like 51 minutes notice for this interview. Like, oh my God. Yeah, I know, I'm, I'm sorry about that. I, did, I didn't have the notice either. It was I know. spontaneous for we both of us. We just called you and all of a sudden, yeah, okay, great. <laughs> so, um, and I, I rushed, but anyway, Literally three hours ago is when I discovered that Archangel Michael shows up throughout the entire year 1999 from the very beginning. And he, he specifically describes exactly what I've just learned from new insiders over the last few months, which is this whole weird human trafficking operation that is a joint human-alien human trafficking thing where the extraterrestrials allow these people to stay in power in exchange for keeping up with their payments. So exactly. That's right. And then part of that also doesn't involve a technology transfer from the ETs to to certain global factions that um, they they don't even have to reverse engineer the tech. They just have to apply it and they use this technology to do things like, for example, self-assembling nanoparticles that many people believe are in these current vaccines, although I haven't been able to confirm it, but it's a common belief. Mike, listen to this. Uh, I had one insider who we call Jacob, and he, uh, he claimed to work for the Rothschilds as an assassin and a, and a negotiator. And he worked extensively with extraterrestrials. He claimed 
whether you believe this or not, that they have stargates that already work, that extraterrestrials gave them for their own use as part of this human trafficking operation. And that he himself claimed that he had been to perhaps 2,000 different locations through stargates. Whoa. Uh, that's like four seasons of Stargate SG or whatever that's amazing. <laughs> that's like you'd going to, everywhere. <laughs> you'd have to hit a new place every day, right? For how many years? Yeah. What? It would have to be well, it, three that's, three chunks of years. Three years is, is a thousand days. Yeah, it'd be almost it'd be six years roughly or whatever. Yeah. That's a lot that's a lot of tourism. Well, but I mean in one <laughs> day you might visit five, fifteen places oh, okay. in the course of your work, you know. So um but anyway. He, Jacob told me in 2010 that they were working with the Draco to create a vaccine that they were going to force everybody to get after they had collapsed the world into a depressed, horrible place where everybody has to take it. They have no choice. And he told me that the vaccine has Draco computer nano, nanite technology in it, that the Draco invented this. They have it in their bodies. And now they're trying to put it into us. 